You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to Season 2, Episode number 10 of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the beautiful and cold-as-fuck Banff, Alberta, and just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing, bud? It's been a little while. Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah, it's been a little bit, eh? Yeah, it's been a little bit. How's uh, things going? How's life treating you? Oh, not so bad, you know. It's just the way she goes. I mean, you know, you've been here. You know what it is. You go to work, you go to bed, you get up, you do it all again. Yeah, very exciting life that we're both living, eh? Right. Yeah, I mean, at least you're going to work right now. I have a bit of a strain slash micro tear in my ligament in my foot. So I've kind of been off work for a little bit here. Uh, so that's kind of been a bummer. Yeah. For such a shitty thing to happen and unfortunate timing too. When you told me I was so bummed out for you, bud. I know. And I didn't realize it was going to be this much time, uh, having to stay off my foot too. It's been, uh, pretty annoying to be honest. Uh, but if there is a silver lining to it, it's that I can now come home for the holidays. Ooh, shit. Oh, it is a Merry up. Christmas, y'all. You know what? I'm, yeah, I'm excited. You know, my sister just had a newborn. So, uh, you know, another niece. Uh, so little baby River was born uh, about, what, 10 days ago now. So uh, that's pretty exciting to get to uh, to meet River and get there and watch some World Juniors hockey, baby. The most important part right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat World Juniors, baby. Nothing like Boxing Day. I mean, you get Christmas, and yeah, that's fun. Good, whatever. Go Santa. But you wake up on the 26th at 3 a.m. to watch Canada play some fucking unfortunate country because day one they always play some cakewalk team. But whoa, that's where the holidays begin. 
Yeah, honestly. And uh, it's just some of the best hockey. And fortunately, we don't have to be waking up at three in the morning this year because the tournament is in Halifax. So on, uh, you know, Canadian soil here. So AO Canada go. Let's bring it oh, home, baby. Fuck yeah, bud. Oh, bud. I can't friggin' wait to watch it but we'll get into a little bit of that uh later on in this episode durham uh it's been two weeks since we had a podcast so let's kind of jump into how the kraken have been doing during this time um because they've been in probably their hardest stretch of the season in these last two weeks and have been struggling yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they went with a 2-4 and four record the last six games here. They ran into some good teams, but at the same time, the offense is also kind of drying up. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely dried up. There hasn't been a whole lot of goals being scored. Um, you take a look at, you know, throwing it all the way back to the game against Montreal, which uh, was obviously earlier in the month. Um, you know, two goals in that game. Next game against Washington, one goal. Then they have a nice little uh, offensive explosion against Florida and what was a pretty tight game as well. And then, you know, they continue that uh, little road trip there in Florida and face Tampa only able to pop two in that one and then get shut down pretty hard against Carolina to continue the road trip and only pop two in on that game. Uh, and then last game, you know, things started to turn around too when they played Winnipeg. They were able to score three in that one, pick up a big win. But when you're looking at all those games, you really only had two games where they scored more than two goals. Yeah, and you can't have that unless you're going to be an absolutely dominant defensive team. If you're winning a lot of 2-1 games, then yeah, you could have a lot of not three goals game, three goal games, but yeah, they which reminds that. me of a lot of the style of like the Carolina Hurricanes, right? They're not exactly. going to explode for five, six goals a lot, but they know how to shut it down. And they showed Seattle just that back on uh, December 15th. But let's kind of jump back into the first matchup um, of these last two weeks and throwing it back to a game against Montreal where... There was a lot of anticipation going into the matchup. Of course, you had Shane Wright getting the big start, getting to play in the game, getting put on a third line with Bjorkstrand and Gord. And the previous episode, Durham, we basically talked about where we'd like to see him. And we slotted him right in that third line next to Bjorkstrand and threw out the idea of having Gord maybe play the wing on that other side. And it turned out that that's exactly what they did for the big matchup against Montreal, where you've seen Shane Wright against Yurav Shlevkovsky, who of course was drafted first overall, having Shane Wright slide all the way to four. So there was a lot of anticipation going into this matchup. Yeah, there was a lot to look forward to. I mean, everyone knew this was going to be the Shane Wright revenge game, right? Like, Everyone's been waiting for it. They all had it circled on their calendars after the stare down at the draft. And then to have the first period he did too, like he backed up his shit, right? Like he's been looking a lot of looks, talking a lot of talk. But that game against Montreal, he started to look like a legit top prospect at the NHL level. Looking a lot of looks. I love it. Because, yeah, just like you said, as soon as you see that stare down, which... I don't care what anyone says. 
he was staring the Habs down during that uh, draft day when he was able to go on stage and put on that Kraken jersey. 100% he was staring them down. And that was a death stare. And we knew he wanted revenge at that moment. So this was his crack to uh, get some revenge. And like you said, an absolutely stellar first period. Of course, Montreal kind of started things off uh, with the first goal of the game. Bit of a flutter one from uh, Kovacevic there from the point, um, but it didn't take long for Shane Wright to make his presence known in this game. Yeah, nice little play from Bjorkstrand there on, you know, good forechecking as usual from the Kraken and then good gets the puck, nice little backhand chip and Wright just wires it right through. I think it was Allen played that game. Yep, yeah, it was Allen who's in, the, in net that game. And I mean... There was another really good chance from Shane Wright, even before he scored, scored that first goal. Um, it almost felt like he could have had three different goals just in that first period alone. And that line of him, Yanni Gordon, Bjorkstrand, uh, definitely shined and looked like the best line in that first period. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Wright after the World Juniors if they do bring him back to Seattle. Like, because that game there showed you put the three of them together, they could dominate. Yeah, they definitely showed some early chemistry, um, which is definitely promising. And it was just lights out when Shane Wright scored his first goal. What a freaking moment that was. Uh, and he's going to be scoring a lot of those around the net like that. Um, great play, too, by just those wingers to kind of be the workhorses in that line. And Shane Wright, because of his ability, I mean, you want him out front of the net like that, ready to get those opportunities. And uh, it worked out for him. And we couldn't be happier to see Shane Wright score his first goal as a Seattle Kraken baby. That had that crowd fired the fuck up. Youngest player to ever score a goal for the Kraken. Yeah, and I can't imagine that'll be broken anytime soon. Um, it was a hell of a first period for, for the crack, and they're all over them. But honestly, uh, you know, come the second period, Montreal started to take over. Not so much with the pressure, but it was a lot of these defensive breakdowns and sloppy plays um, by Seattle that just allowed Montreal to slowly take over this game. Yeah, and unfortunately, like what happened in the Montreal game, leaked through into the next five yeah exactly like you had some bad turnovers led straight to a giveaway nick suzuki finds caulfield he pops his 15th of the season already how are you and then right after seven that goal seconds right later seven seconds later right off the face off you have a bit of a breakdown and montreal uh you know in seven seconds from a draw are able to get a two-on-one and anderson just pops it up over the glove there of group um yeah that was a tough look that definitely took the wind out of the sails here for the kraken yeah that's unfortunate i mean you we talked about this so much last year with you have to be ready the next shift you have to have a response every mm -hmm. time there's a goal not just you scoring or getting scored on but. yeah exactly and it's not like they were peppered from montreal it was just um a couple major defensive turnovers and breakdowns. And, you know, they only had four shots in that second period and three of them go into the back of the net. And that basically just killed it for the crack. And I mean, they were able to bury one with 
what point something seconds left where uh, McCann's able to tip a shot in from Burakovsky that at least made it a two goal game. But then in that third period, there was just not enough response there. Yeah. I mean, Gord had that early breakaway chance in the third period, but that was pretty much it. And that was the game. There was no pushback late. That was nothing. Yeah, and those are games you really want to be winning, but give Montreal credit. I mean, they took advantage of their chances, and, you know, their head coach right now has them playing some pretty good hockey, and he played a lot of pretty good hockey back in his day as well. I would do anything Marty St. Louis tells me to do. (laughs) I believe it, dude. That uh, guy was uh, one of my favorite players growing up, just Felt like I had so much in common with my play style and his. Obviously, it didn't have anywhere near the type of skill. And, uh, you know, he probably played with more heart, obviously. But, uh, I mean, I love Marty St. Louis. Smaller guy, right-handed guy. So I looked up to him a lot. Marty St. Louis is definitely left-handed. Is he? Oh. I will put money on that. I'm just but trying everything to... else you said is absolutely right. 100% he's left-handed. I was just thinking in my head too. Um, I was trying to picture a goal scored by him, but now that you say it, yeah, he definitely is. I could picture a couple big plays. That's a dash one right away on me, but still a guy I looked up to moving along. You know, they come in, they hit the road for, you know, four games. And anytime you do that, you want to start it off with a good performance. It wasn't a terrible performance against the Washington team who we said, you know, you got to shut the door against this team you know, with their power play opportunities and you can't give them a whole lot and credit to the crack. And I mean, they killed three out of four, which isn't too, too bad, but uh, you know, they still dropped this game four to one. They just couldn't find that offense. Yeah. The power play's kind of gone cold. And unfortunately this is a game where if you look at, they got the two empty net goals, Washington did. Right. So you can call it a two, one game. This is, you need your power play to come through and just get you one because then it's a game. It's not just you're down chasing it. You're even. There's no need for the empty net chances. Anything can happen in overtime. Yeah, exactly. And they had a great start. I mean, Larson just has his puck find him on on the back end there on on the blue line. And he just throws a puck towards the net. And it's able to find some holes and gets past Charlie Lindgren, who has been absolutely on fire in net for Washington as of late. So, they did run into a bit of a, uh, a hot goalie in this one. Um, but for the most of that first period, it was all capitals and the, and they really pushed and controlled most of the play and the tempo of the game in that first period. Yeah. So for Seattle to be up one, nothing after 20 minutes kind of felt like a relief. Yeah, it kind of did. And then, you know, things again in that second period kind of start to unwind for the Kraken. Uh, you know, giving up a goal to Anthony Mantha there and, um, this one was close to maybe being a potential waved off goal, but you know, it doesn't get challenged by the Kraken. I know there's a lot of bodies in that crease. It almost looked like Grubauer was having to fight through some legs in order to move around, but ultimately this one would stand. And then, like we said, that power play for Washington is able to take advantage to, uh, you know, just about eight minutes later in that second period. And Marcus Johansson's able to bury one on the power play. And and that would give them uh, the lead in the hockey game. Yeah. And that's the lead they'd hold on to. Like, I mean, obviously people would know if I just said they got two empty net goals a couple of minutes ago, 
So obviously you're going to know we're not going to score here. It's going to be two, one as this goes on. And then they're going to get Varzell is going to get an empty netter there. And then not long after that, Ovechkin is going to get a second empty netter for the capitals and it's going to end four, two, four, one. Yeah. Yeah. Four, one, just like that. And if there's any bright spot, I mean, it was a great push back in that third period by Seattle. Uh, I mean, Matty Beneers rang one off the crossbar on a power play opportunity. So, uh, you know, just a couple things that, you know, the game, it's a game of inches, right? A couple things go different and, and maybe we have a totally different hockey game, but it wasn't exactly what a, a 4-1 game uh, kind of looks like. It was pretty competitive that third period. There was tons of pushback from Seattle, um, but Charlie Lindgren stayed hot and got to give credit as well to Grubauer because he had some phenomenal saves to keep them in it in that third period. Uh, he made those three saves just back to back to back where he came across Ovi with a dangle pass to Johansson robs him. Somebody comes in for the re- couple rebounds in a row. Grubauer stands tall, but unfortunately just weren't able to find that goal to tie the game up and they'd lose this one for one Durham. Yeah. Kind of unfortunate to waste Grubauer's third period effort there. I mean, like you said, he was just phenomenal. Yeah. And not only that, but the big rig suspended for a big three games after a high hit on the head of uh, Alexeyev in this hockey game too. So you do lose a, a defenseman in this game, which makes it a little bit more tougher, right? Um, so that that was a hard one to kind of get past as well. Yeah, but he did clock him right in the freaking chin too. Holy shit. I mean, he couldn't have connected better with the head on that one. Right. Like, if there's a video for a suspendable play, it's that. Yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate. And sometimes it just comes down to, you know, he's not sitting there headhunting, but he's such a big guy. Alexiev, Mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of leaning in, so he's even shorter than just standing straight up. And the contact's just straight to the head. It's one of those plays where, you know, you don't want to see it happen, but it, it happens. It's a physical game. It's going to happen. Uh, and unfortunately, it did. And I felt like it was only a matter of time. Exactly. Like you say, it's physical. It's fast. Shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So dropping those first two games there um, wasn't too good, but they had an opportunity to turn things around against the Florida team who kicked their ass five to one just the prior week. And this was a big revenge game for them in this one. Damn straight it was. And the boys brought it. Beneers leads the way in a strong team performance here. He's going to get two points. Jonesy's going to have a fantastic game. Successful revenge game all around. Yeah, uh, it really was. And you look at the scoreboard 5-2, it looks like they dominated, but it was actually really, really close throughout most of this game. Beneers really just got things going just a minute and a four into the game and just rifles one uh, into the back of the net. Just what a beauty shot there. And just a, just a clear battle. It was really back and forth. I mean, you didn't see any more scoring until the second period. Eric Stahl scoring his first of the season. It's hard to believe he's still in the in the league, to be honest. I know, especially since he like basically retired and then played in the Olympics. So you can't be a pro athlete. He didn't had no contract, played in that, and then came back. 
Yeah, I know. Pretty crazy stuff and hell of a Sally from him. He looked like he was throwing the monkey off his back for sure. Um, but not too shortly after, just a minute and a half later, and uh, Andre Burakovsky doing what Andre Burakovsky does the best and absolutely letting a laser beam of a shot go in. And he put that top shelf and that would give the, the Kraken back their 2-1 lead. And uh, they take that right into the third period. Speaking of taking things, Donato's going to take a puck to the face, and he I don't think he came back in this one. I think it was right yeah. around that time he took it. Yeah, that's got to hurt for the guy. I mean, uh, i seen that one too. Uh, anytime you're taking that freaking puck to the face. If anyone's never felt a puck before, um, it's pretty shocking just how hard it is. And to have that rifled right into your face, whether it's deflected, doesn't matter. Um, that's got to hurt so much. I mean, taking one off the shin, even though you're wearing these thick shin pads, you know, hurts like hell and you're limping off and you might even be left with those micro fractures and shit like that. So, um, you know, it, it, or, you know, those shin splints as they call them. Right. So, yeah. uh, taking one to the face is not a good feeling. Yeah, and people don't realize, like, if it's a new puck, too, and they get spinning right, like, they can fucking cut you good. Yeah, like, they're there's not a flat ton of grit, on the end. Right? Like, there's a, exactly a bunch of texture there. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is not fun to get hit in the puck, hit in the face with pucks. Um, But Jordan Eberle finding the back of the net with a nice little temp in uh, with – what just just before halfway through the third period honestly up to that point this was a battle it was a goalie battle jones was playing good and one thing we talked about last time or last podcast durham was uh you know i really like the chances of them trying to get a good comeback win here a big successful revenge game if Bobrovsky wasn't that and uh that that's the case here Bobrovsky wasn't that obviously we didn't know knight was going to be hurt but uh you know we took the chances that were uh given to us you know yeah and the cats played Bobrovsky on a back-to-back that night like he played the night before as well I thought that was bold definitely and maybe that had uh some effect with him later in the game because after that Everly goal uh Sprong would have a big slap shot goal and they'd actually get a power play goal here uh you know they were one for six in the game so you know at least they did find the back of the net Daniel Sprong with his sixth goal Good to see him keep firing it in. Hell of a shot again on the power play. And then Yanni Gord would end things with an empty netter, and that would give them the 5-1 lead. And Chris Tierney would bury one more right before the end of the game, but it was all but over But uh, by that time. Yeah, how about the absolute hustle on Yanni Gord for that empty netter too? And that was Ekblad chasing him down, so he's no slouch. He's not the greatest skater, but he's got a lot of strength there and long stride oh yeah big time that was huge hustle to just make sure uh that game was was over and uh you know he's picking up another point on that play by just hustling like that so finding his fourth of the season been a bit of a slower start for yanny gore goal wise and point wise but uh you know don't count the guy out he's he's always the hard one of the hardest workers out there on the ice every time uh the crack and take to the ice so uh, it's only a matter of time before he's back really in another groove again. Exactly. He'll get going. I mean, he's got a career high of well, 64 points a bunch of years ago, but he's become more of like a 50 point guy. Fantastic two way. He'll exactly. get exactly. 
Yeah, and has a scrappiness to his game that, uh, you know, is definitely probably overlooked by a lot of people who don't watch the Kraken games. Exactly. He's got grit, tenacity. Oh, I I love what he brings, man. He's such a fun guy to watch. Um, But moving along, like we said, that was basically just like that that first win that they got. Um, You know, they'd continue that trend uh, later on, but first they'd have to play a Tampa Bay team who uh, was coming into the game winning four of their last five, uh, 10 of their last 13. And once again, their big guns showed up. Yeah, I mean, you had Kucherov with three points, points, Hedman, Sorelli, they had two points each. Grubauer got pulled after the fourth goal. Just, I mean, it wasn't his night when you get the big boys firing like that. Yeah, and it all started right off the bat. It was it was Tampa Bay, and it felt like it was all Tampa Bay right off the bat in this one. I mean, uh, they'd score one. Ian Cole puts one in just a minute and a half into the game. Tampa kept pressing. Eric Cernak you know, was able to take a nice pass from Braden Point, go in and uh, kind of fumbled the puck at first, but then, you know, found just enough space over the blocker of Philip Grubauer there and, uh, you know, makes it 2 nothing in the game. Lucky enough, I mean, Seattle tried to get themselves back in the game. Uh, Jared McCann was able to bury one for himself. Gets his 13th, which was team leading. Um, and just before that period ended, but... Uh, yeah, just running into a really hot Tampa team right now. Yeah, that's a tough situation there, especially going into the second period, because you think, like, fuck, 2-1, we got the late one, a great two-on-one play with Ebson McCann there. We got a shot here. And then Tampa in the second period's like, yeah, sorry, this is this is over. Corey Perry's going to pop one on the power play on a failed pass where he gets his puck back and just rips it shelf. And then yeah, kind of sloppy point. D there as well, eh? From Vince oh, Dunn, just kind of right? poking at it. Looked a little lost there. That was unfortunate because, yeah, like you were about to say, that was kind of the start of the end for the Kraken in this game. Yeah, because just a minute, 10, minute 15 later, Braden Point is going to embarrass everybody on the ice except for the Tampa Bay players and just walk through three Kraken players in the D zone all in the rush and then rip a backhand like fuck yeah he snuck that thing uh and uh that was just beautiful there's nothing else to say he made yeah he made adam larson look like a pylon and then he's able to sneak this incredible backhand over the over the glove of grubauer and nn and uh yeah yeah that was just a hell of a play by Braden point it's got 15 on the year already so um and then they weren't done scoring there ross colton would add another one uh, before the end of the second period there and a little tip in shot too, another tough one uh, especially for for Jonesy he was just entering the game and just like that it was 5-1 Tampa Bay man they just took over the game yeah and once it hits that point you're like everyone wants to say oh you got a shot you're not fucking winning this game it's over. yeah Tampa's got it they're going to snuff you out yep Stammer with the 16th in the third period. And then Donato is able to pop one in just uh, five seconds left in the game. So nice to just see him pot another goal. His first goal in a while too. He had three on the year heading in and he hadn't had a goal in a long time. So kind of throws the monkey off the back for him. But uh, yeah, it was just a tough game and another game where 
uh, Seattle's power play just didn't really come through. They were 0 for 3. Uh, didn't give them much opportunity to fight back. Funny little Donato stat I got for you here since he brought it up about him not scoring for a while. So he didn't score the first couple of games, then had one goal in a game and then didn't score for a bunch of games and then had two and then had back-to-back games with a goal and then didn't score for a bunch of games and then had three back-to-back games with a goal. You see where the trend's going with this? Yeah, yeah, that was the start of a three uh a goal in three straight games for Donato. So uh, it's kind of, you know, firing up a little bit here, which which you like to see. I've always liked uh, Ryan Donato, and, and I thought last year he showed a lot of heart with how much he battled and how many fights he got into standing up for his teammates too. Uh, so I was happy to see him back on the squad this year. Um, heading into it, though, the road trip needed one more game, and once again, just running into such a hot team right now in the Carolina Hurricanes, and they end up dropping it 3-2, and let's be honest, it just never felt like they were in this game. No, I mean, I know there's been times where we're like, ah, oh, don't look at the shots, but you could just look at the shots on this one. 39-17 for Carolina, and it's like, holy shit, did we really have the puck? I mean, I know yeah. we got two goals, but wow. Certainly didn't feel like it. I mean, shots were 14 to four Carolina after the first period. At one point, I think it was like eight nothing to start in the game. And <clears throat> Carolina just came out so hot. And I believe it was their first game back at home after like a six game road trip, too. So that doesn't help at all. That's, you know, usually the home team is fired up to be back at home, back in their own turf. So they, they just ran into a tough situation there. And it was Svechnikov scoring his 16th of the year to start things off. Yeah, he's going to pick that one up after, you know, like we talked about earlier, mishandling passes and bobbling pucks and just soft plays that are screwing the Kraken over. And that's what gets them here. Like bad pass, two guys mishandle and bobble the puck and Svechnikov walks in and just wires it. Yeah, just wires it in. Stefan Nason scoring one in the second period uh, pretty early in. And they were down to nothing. But then, like we said, Donato gets a nice little tip in and uh, scores, uh, you know, his second in as many games. And and that at least brought the Kraken back into that game um, after it was a three nothing and, you know, puts them back within two. Um, but again, they're just just didn't have enough in them. I mean, you're you're down three one going into the third period and your team still gets out shot 12 to six. Uh, you know, Carolina just plays such a tough game and they're so tight defensive and uh, they showed exactly their true identity in this one. Like this very easily could have been a three nothing shutout for Carolina. You look at the goals, the Kraken got a tip from Donato. Like you could say nice goal, great tip, but those are fractional whether they go in or not. It's just playing the odds. And then the Sprong one's just a squeaker that just finds its way through the elbow there. And, I mean, both of those could, one, the deflection, if it's a millimeter off, goes wide. And the squeaker could not go in very easily. And that's all of a sudden, we don't have any goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, it could have easily been that. And, you know, so it, at least they showed that they were able to, to pop a, a few, uh, sorry, a couple in there. But too little too late right uh carolina takes it 3-2 in regulation and you know the losing trend continued for seattle so uh they were back at home for the next game though which was um the very next night i believe 
Yeah, and then you need a big one here for the boys playing Winnipeg, right? Oh, yeah, big time. And unfortunately, in the first period, it's going to be Mark Shifley. On, let's be honest, that was a beautiful pass from Morrissey on the power play there. Just the slap pass to the tip in. Yeah, who's this Morrissey guy right now? I mean, the guy's lights out this year. He's got 36 points in 31 games. Bro's got 30 assists in 31 games. That's nuts. Yeah, that actually is pretty nuts. Like, uh, and a lot on the power play too. Like Josh Morrissey's been a hell of a defenseman for them. Uh, Having an incredibly offensive breakout year this year. Yeah, he's just exploded back to what everyone thought he was going to be when he was playing with Big Buff. Unfortunately, everybody left and then he kind of got marooned with a bunch of young guys and maybe not quite NHL caliber D, but now that they've revamped their decor and he's gotten used to being the number one guy, he is now the guy. He's a mean fucker too. Yeah, again, he's tenacious for his size as well. And, uh, you know, I remember him always being considered this, uh, you know, offensive defenseman. Um, He's hovered around a couple all right seasons. I don't think he's ever broke 50 points, though, but he's well on his way this year. Over under of 67 and a half. What are you taking? I mean, I think he's a 70 plus point guy this year. Okay. All right. But yeah, like you said, Shifley too. He's like a Cy Young player this year. He's got what, 19, 19 goals on the year now. So uh, pretty crazy because he only has like six or so assists, I believe. Um, but again, it was it was a power play goal and I believe it was a five on three. And uh, let's be honest, this was very much uh, the opposite of what it was last game against Carolina, which I thought was back to back for a second. I was just looking at dates wrong. It was a few days after, so this was on the 18th, just a couple nights ago here, Durham. And, uh, yeah, this was all cracking in this one. Oh, fuck. Other than the power play goals, like, Winnipeg had nothing. Nothing. Seattle nothing. was they had, on them. They had a five-on-three power play goal, and then they had a rebounder on a power play that went in. Kind of snuck a little bit through groups there, but... Um, other than that, the Kraken had a huge uh, game and they needed something like this to just get that confidence back because, you know, they were getting fed in these last few games quite a bit. So to see them come in and play a, another really, really tough team in Winnipeg and you know, outshoot them 34 to 17, uh, you know, it was great to see. Absolutely fantastic. And what else was absolutely fantastic was Everly's backhand beauty in the second period. Holy shit. I mean, they don't get prettier than that. And again, I feel like I've been saying this all year. Vintage Jordan Everly all year oh, long. Yeah. He's been scoring these amazing backhanders. Like this is like his fourth or fifth backhander. That's just like jaw dropping. And he's just picking these shots top shelf and, making them look easy and these are some of the hardest shots to aim and get off and he's just picking the the corners with them and my goodness jordan everly just what a goal and to be in the zone to pick it up spinning and set because he picks it up on his forehand and sets himself while spinning and knows where he's placing it that's incredible incredible play gets the game tied back up and of course like we said um winnipeg scoring 
on a, another power play to put them up. Dubois gets this rebounder. Um, but, you know, a huge, huge third period. I can't um, talk about just how important this third period was for the Kraken to come in and start things off just 16 seconds in with a Donato. Like we said, three goals in three games, baby. Six goals, just like that. In a span of three games, he doubles his goals on the season and comes up with a huge one there. Absolutely. And also coming up with a huge one is going to be late in the game. Jared McCann with a piss missile short side. Oh my God, did he pick that corner? I mean, it was out of the net just as fast as it came in. And that was a goal the Kraken needed badly uh, with less than five minutes left in the game, right? He picks his team leading 14th, uh, assisted by Beneers there. And of course, he's got to earn the first star of the game after basically winning the game for them and uh, a good one to get in regulation to having the Winnipeg just being so hot and playing in the Western conference there. So uh, that was a huge way to, uh, to end off the week. Absolutely. And Winnipeg, like you said, has been fantastic. So to drop the last two against Tampa and Carolina, who are also great teams and at the, almost the top of their division, Tampa's getting there. Boston's just a different level this year. Fuck them. I but know. Winnipeg also at the top of their division, and you were able to respond with a great game against them. That's what you like to see. Big time. Uh, and something that they need to turn around quickly in order to kind of get back on those winning streaks and get some wins back in the pocket, uh, they're going to have to figure out this power play because it's ice cold right now, Durham. In all those games we just previewed, uh, they were one for 18, which puts them at a 5.5% during those six games. So um, just really ugly when you're looking at those stats. Yeah, so now you've got to start asking yourself, has the power play kind of gone stale or has everyone else's penalty kill just gotten a little bit better and figured it out but i'm gonna go with the power plays getting a little stale yeah it certainly looks like it's dried up a bit yeah i mean you can't go one for 18 and not change shit up yeah exactly hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now Use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Durham, let's take a look at what is needed to be successful with some of these matchups coming up uh, in these game previews that the Kraken are going to play within these next two weeks because uh, we get a bit of a Christmas break in there. So uh, it won't be a whole lot of hockey, won't be six games, but we are going to be able to see four matchups and the start of a lot of games against Canadian teams. So kicking things off tonight 
just a couple hours away from us right now, Durham. They're taking on the St. Louis Blues at home. And this is a team, once again, who maybe doesn't show for the best record right now, but they're coming in really hot and they've been hitting all the notes as of late. Yeah, the Blues have been a real up-and-down team this year, an extremely streaky team, which has to be driving their head coach fucking bananas. Because everybody knows Barube does not like that. He just wants the fucking steady-as-she-goes, boys. Let's get the job done. Yeah, exactly. This is a team that, uh, you know, they're riding a four-game win streak right now. So, obviously, uh, they're riding the hot sticks and probably one of the hottest sticks uh, in the league, not only in the lineup, has got to be Jordan Cairo right now, who's got 10 points in those last four games. And that's got to be, you know, that's pretty impressive. It looks like he's he's playing some good hockey as of late. Yeah, I mean, 10 points is freaking amazing when you consider his team only has 15 goals in those four games. So he's yeah, in so, on two-thirds of everything. Yeah, no kidding. And I think he's been in on uh, the last seven goals for the team or something ridiculous Ooh. like that. So um, to be on a streak like that's pretty impressive. We got to find a way to shut that line down. Yeah, the only thing you might be hoping for right now is that St. Louis has gotten tired. This is their third back-to-back in the last eight days. Yeah, so they definitely have been playing a lot of hockey as of late. So this is a an opportunity where you're coming off a bit of rest. You got to take advantage of that, right? Absolutely. You, you got to hope they're tired at this one. It's six game, six game in, I think it's nine days now. They've been on the road for the last four and going through Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. Like two of them are good teams. One, nobody knows. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, they just got to take advantage. I mean, this is another team that uh, doesn't have the strongest penalty kill in the league. I mean, they're better than the Krakens right now. Uh, who sit at 69.1, but St. Louis isn't too great either. Just 70.1%, which puts them 29th in the league right now. And not only that, but you got to factor in uh, the fact that they lost to the Blues earlier this year, uh, a 4-3 loss in overtime back in October. So uh, you got to find a way to uh, get points on the board against this team in this game. Yeah, exactly. You got to try and slow their roll and continue to build off that game against Winnipeg. Yeah, especially because that first game too was a loss at home. So you really want to find some revenge. And like you said, build off all those great things you you had going for you in that game against Winnipeg um, because they, they looked back to their normal selves, but they got to keep that consistency going, right? Exactly. You can't just be a lackadaisical one game. We're good. One game. We're bad team. You got to be going all the time. Getting back to putting in those uh, 60 minute efforts. That's going to be what's important for this Kraken team. Uh, Put up some, some games before the new year and get some points up on the board. So we're going to see a fun one tonight. It's probably going to be a decent amount of offenses is what I'm thinking. Uh, What do you, what's the score going to be? Six, two. 6-2. 6-2. Sounds like Donato goes four in four games. I'm going to say so. Why not? He's got the, he's riding the hottest stick right now uh, for the team. So uh, let's hope we see that happen. And then Durham, 
They start a stretch of seven of their next eight home games against Canadian teams by kicking off a game in Vancouver, December 22nd, playing their last game before a five-day Christmas break. Yeah, and this is a team where Seattle is still winless against after five games. So, you know, I mean, something's got to give, right? Law of averages here. Yeah, you really hope so. I mean, it's it's been interesting that they've struggled so much against Vancouver, who have never had, you know, never really been a strong team uh, in these last couple seasons. So definitely, definitely an opportunity to take advantage of a Vancouver Canucks team who's not only kind of weak right now, just a 13, 15, and 3 record going into it, but coming off some pretty tough losses. I mean, they just played St. Louis and Winnipeg in their last two games and lost five five to one in both of those matchups and lost three of their last four, only scoring six times in their last four games. So talk about a team's offense who's also dried up in that one. Yeah, this is going to be the game where I hope something gives. Like, let's just explode for goals. I know I said 6-2 last game for St. Louis, but man can dream. You know, they have every opportunity to do it, right? There's no reason why you can't. Um, The only worst team in the league on on the penalty kill then the Kraken right now is Vancouver. So uh, is if there's an opportunity in these next two games to get some chemistry back on the power play, take advantage of it versus a 29th penalty kill team. And then this team right now, uh, Vancouver Canucks, who are 67% on the PK, which puts them very last in the league. So this is an opportunity to gain some confidence back on the power play. Yeah, the only thing you really got to watch out for is at the same time their power play, considering our penalty kill has been shaky and their power play is still top 10 in the league. They do have yeah. some weapons on it. They they certainly do, and that's where it could be a, a you know a battle of uh, the special teams in this one. And another interesting thing right now, Durham, uh, when you take a look at Grubauer's save percentage uh, and Chris Delia, who's their backup right now, both at 0.882 save percentage. And then you look at uh, Spencer Martin, who is, you know, their starting goalie right now with Thatcher Demko out, uh, you know, for whatever, a couple more weeks or however long it is. And Seth and Seth Jones, Martin Jones is uh, save percentage right now. Jones, he's at 888, a 0.888. Spencer Martin's at a 0.885. So we literally have an wow. advantage of point zero zero three. So this one might be a high scoring game. Yeah, this one could blow the barn doors off. Now I've really liked how Grubauer's looked in his last few starts. So I, you know, he's looked quite solid, and I think he's going to fix some of those numbers. And I think eventually throughout this year, he's going to creep back into you know, the 900 save percentage. But as of right now, this these goaltending stats are hella close. Hella close. And <laughs> let's hope they get a little bit separated some more here with a big game from Seattle and just absolutely terrible one from Vancouver. Yeah, because you're kicking off uh, the first of uh, a few games here against your own division. And then after the Christmas break, you get a five-day break. And they're back at home again uh, against Calgary, December 18th, uh, December 28th, pardon me, 
you know, back against a team where you picked up a phenomenal win against earlier in the season where you had this huge comeback win in the third period. That was a magical one. Yeah, and this is something where we can look to try and create some separation in the division again. Like, they're starting to catch. I mean, Seattle's kind of starting to drop after that tough week. They've dropped it behind L.A. Calgary's creeping up from not being in the playoffs. Like, they're only three points behind Seattle. So this is these are the games you have to win. I know it's yeah. tough to say have to win in December, but fuck me. No, they're extremely important. This one is going to be a huge game, like only separated by three points in the standings. Like you cannot let a team like Calgary start to gain that momentum and and fight back and try and sneak into the playoffs. These are the games you have to win if you're a serious contender uh, and you, you want to be a playoff team. These are the victories you have to find a way to win. Yeah, and you're going to try and be able to take advantage of the special teams here. I mean, Calgary's a defensive monster usually. Their goaltending's been a little suspect this year. Markstrom's been not the Markstrom he has been the last couple years. But you hope, well, they hope to see that come back. But their power play has not been good. They're sitting just 20% on the season. They don't have a whole lot of offense going for the team in general. So this is going to be something kind of similar to the Carolina game, but with a little bit more offensive feel to it, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see a big like goal scoring game like we did last time, a big, you know, nine goals in that first matchup. But uh, like you said, this this could be a close one. You got to find a way to uh, put points up on the board against Calgary and maybe take advantage of the struggles that they've had defensively, uh, especially in net. You know, it's uh, it's been a struggle for Markstrom, like you said. So if you see that matchup, maybe trying to take advantage of it. It's going to be your first game back after the holidays, too. Uh, you can't be caught sleeping. No, you're going to have to skate off the turkey before the game. You can't oh, do yeah. it in the game. You can't do it in the game. You got to skate it off hard in the practice uh, probably the, the day before. So that's going to be a big matchup. And then that Western road trip or not even road trip, but the Western matchups continue to happen because two days later, December 30th, you're taking on the Edmonton Oilers. And that, I mean, anytime you're taking up here, you're going up against an offense like the Oilers. It, it's a tough game. Yeah. Especially like, Everyone knows the weapons they have, 29 and 97, and they're they're going to probably get a point, maybe two guaranteed. But yeah, yeah, I mean that's fair to say. I mean, at McDavid, what he's two points off right now from averaging two points per game with 33 games into the season. The guy's got 64 up on the board. Uh yeah, pretty pretty crazy. And I see he's doing, he's got more power play points than he has even strength points this year, which is freaking disgusting. Yeah, it's totally disgusting. I mean, how many years now? Was this the third year in a row they're going to lead the league in, in a power play percentage? Because they're, again, once again, well on their way to doing that this year. I mean, taking a look at it, they're first in the league at 32.8% on the power play. So obviously things are working. Yeah, I mean, if you get those two on the ice and they just kind of tell everyone else what to do, you do it. They will yeah. find you. Dry Sidles, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to say Dry Sidles possibly a better passer than McDavid. It certainly seems like that right now, especially in the power play. I mean, everyone's firing. Nugent Hopkins is firing. Tyson Berry's actually getting a lot of assists. He's, it doesn't seem like he shoots much. He just 
kind of dishes it as the quarterback, but uh, it seems to be working. Obviously you got McDavid who's on pace for the most goals of his career, you know, on pace for 60 plus and uh, he hasn't even hit 50 before. So kind of seeing some magic out of him this year. He's shooting the puck quite a bit. Wouldn't it be funny if how all summer everyone's talking about, Oh my God, it's amazing. Austin Matthews hit 60. I can't believe someone hit 60. It's been so long. When were we going to see it again? And McDavid's just like, fuck that guy. I'm going to fucking get 60 this year. Yeah, not only that, but I mean, like, it's not slowing down his point totals or his his assists at all, right? He's still putting it up on the board. And again, this is another huge game. This is a huge matchup. I mean, you take a look at where the Oilers are sitting in the in the standings right now. I mean what are they one point behind right now? They both have 17 wins yes, and, and uh, you know, Seattle's just got the one more overtime loss right now. So uh, these are going to be huge points and games that you're going to hope that uh, it's not a three point game and, and you could take all two. Like realistically, you can lose one of the Alberta games. You cannot lose both. If you lose both, you you're like you're starting starting to slide out of the playoffs at that point yeah especially with how calgary could do up until then because i think they've got a few games more than seattle does going up to that point like if you drop edmonton and calgary those games then you could be definitely out of the playoffs after that big time yeah big time and and you look at some of the other teams too fighting for um those uh wild card positions i mean Colorado is one of those teams and you know a month from now they're going to be a lot healthier and you know have some of their big guns well you know two of their three biggest wait two of their four biggest guns back in the lineup I almost left out Makar there thinking uh you know just thinking they're their top guns on the on the top line but uh with Landis Cog and and McKinnon back in the lineup I mean that team's only going to get better and climb back up those standings yeah, I mean, anytime you can have Makar, McKinnon, Landis Cog, Rantanen, pick your fifth wheel and just say, yeah, go have fun, guys. Pick your fifth wheel is correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge uh, couple of weeks. So they got to make sure that they're they're uh, firing at all cylinders and that power play starts to get hot again because uh, there's some opportunity to to bring it back to where it once was earlier in the season. All four of the teams that they're going to be playing over the next two weeks here are within seven points of a playoff spot. And that's yeah. four games. Like, that's eight points. Mm, I'm not a math guy, but I kind of am. Yeah, and it's crazy to say, like, must win games before we're even halfway through the season. But this is a very important stretch. Very you can't, important. I always love the start of the season when people are talking about the slides that teams go on and they're like, you can't win the cup in October, but you can lose it. Dude, that, that saying is so, so true. Uh, mm-hmm. it's probably an underrated one. Um, but Durham, let's move on here from the, uh, the matchups and, uh, hit us with the stat of the week for both weeks here. Well, we're going to go back two weeks ago. To Mr. Alexiak getting suspended. Now you're wondering why is Alexiak getting suspended the stat of the week? Well, I'm going to tell you. 
because it's the first fucking time a Kraken player has been suspended. What? I know. The first Kraken. And it took 108 games for it to happen. Yeah, pretty wild, eh? Uh, you know, the first one had to come at some point and Big Rig's shoulder brought it. So, uh, you know, it, like we said earlier in the pod, three games for it. 108 games in, that's not too, too bad. I'd like to, I, I'm really curious now that you bring that up, stat of the week, I wonder what Vegas's first sus was, just to compare. Hmm. Be interesting know, to man. note, but uh, fuck it right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to take more than 30 seconds for me to find that. So. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But let's uh, let's talk about some World Junior stuff. Like we said, we would. Um, some big, big news coming a couple days ago, Durham. Shane Wright being named captain of Team Canada. Some Something we kind of threw out last podcast as, a, as an idea and something that could have happened. And now we have confirmation. So uh, just pumped to hear that. Yes and no. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So you're going to be pumped. I'm going to be like, why the fuck would you make him captain? You've got A, returning 19-year-old players. B, you've got a 19-year-old that's coming back from the NHL who has a little more experience than Shane Wright. And C, you just gave captaincy to the guy that in the summer said, no thanks, I don't even want to play for you, when the last captain of your team in the summer is also playing in the NHL now. Yeah, you're definitely making some points there that are, you know, good points and hard to argue against. But I think he's taken a lot of growth in these last, you know, couple months here of some of the experience he got being around Seattle and the fact that I believe he was he was named captain pretty pretty early on uh, in his Kingston days, right? Um, so he brings a lot of that experience and I believe he was also captain at the under 18s for the world yep. for Canada. So he does have a bit of a pedigree and it's tough to know exactly what the story is uh, for him not playing with uh, team Canada in, in the summer world juniors uh, you know, the, the most recent one we had there and how that all kind of transpired. But um, I am, happier to see him kind of taking on that role because i feel like he's ready to to prove himself and throwing that captaincy on his jersey uh just adds that pressure and i want to see him perform in that pressure and you know this is an opportunity to see that so you know i want to see him become you know a top end player in this tournament while having the pressure being captain of team canada okay counterpoint to the pressure thing if Seattle is sending Shane Wright back to the world juniors to regain the confidence of being a dominant player, why would you add pressure, more pressure of being a leader to that situation where you're sending him somewhere with a task already? Well, I mean, he's just coming off his first NHL goal and, and, you know, played pretty good hockey and, you know, played really good hockey in the AHL. So things are trending up. And because of that, I wouldn't be afraid to, to add that, that extra pressure on. And at the same time, it is a can't team Canada decision. Uh, so it's that organization, not so much Seattle's. No, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying like, that's obviously I'm sure something they would have discussed before uh, Seattle says, yeah, we're going to give them to you. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, 
definitely. So, um, you know, no matter what, I think he was going to be a leader on this team, whether it was the A, whether yep, it was the C. And there's a lot of players, you know, just like every year on Team Canada where you're like, well, he could have slapped the C on this guy, no doubt, or he could have slapped the C on that guy. So, um, you know, it's nice to see that, you know, they're stepping up to put it on his jersey. Yeah, and I I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying it's not a good decision. Like, he's obviously been a good leader for Team Canada before and in mm-hmm. other events and outside in the OHL. But he's I get it. The last thing you want to leader, see but... is him struggle, right? Exactly. At this point. Um, because then it just feels like another step in the wrong direction. It could be a setback instead of propelling him forward. Exactly. So we get to see what the kids all made of. Uh, the good news is they played one pre-tournament game against, uh, I believe it was Switzerland there, uh, and Team Canada won 6 nothing, and he put up three points, and he's Which playing on a line with Connor Bedard. So uh, that's super exciting. Did you see that pass from Bedard to right? I honestly haven't seen the highlights. He did the Patrick Kane pass going around the net and uses his backhand and whips it out front and right on right's tape. Ooh. Oh it was man. Nice. I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to see it before the tournament starts. Uh, I'll watch it later on. Um, but I, know, I wasn't going to watch uh sorry. I wasn't oh, going to watch the pre-tournament game. And then I saw that highlight and I was like, fuck, I'm going to watch the next one. What is the next one? No idea. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but i'm it's off work be. now for the holidays so it does not hey, matter there you go um speaking of that i don't know if i should say this on a, on a podcast but uh you might need to find a way to uh help your old pal over here watch these games hint hint shit i gotta find a way to watch these games yeah yeah because i totally forgot say, about the that last that. way is uh it's it's not gonna work anymore yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, right. I think the one now would work. Okay, we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to take a look at that and test There will be research out. for science. Yeah, and uh, I remember when we talked about the whole World Juniors, we, we did expect to see a few more Kraken players get the chance to make the team. We just, we didn't see that, which was a little disappointing. Yeah, I thought uh, at least like Jager Ferkus was a lock for an invite. Like I didn't yeah. think a lock for the team, but I thought a lock for an invite. The guy was on a 20 game point streak in the WHL and doesn't even get invited to the world junior camp for team Canada. Talk about a fucking sus move. Like I'm sure as a 19 year old, he will be there next year, but still at the same time, it's like, what the fuck, man? David Gayotis heating up as well. Um, is he go sorry sorry it's goyetti i always say it backwards it's goyetti but he's heating up as well he's he's been riding the, the hot stick since the last time we looked at some of those stats but uh they definitely could have had more represent but they do have people representing like we said uh on that team finland team um nicholas coco obviously getting a chance to potentially be starting goalie for them so we'll we'll have to watch those games and, and keep track of you know, his progression and uh, how he's doing. But another player for Team Finland who is maybe going to be one of the best goal scorers in the whole tournament, Yanni Nyman, obviously being named to Team Finland. So uh, we're going to be keeping our eye outs for these two teams for sure. Uh, you know, maybe a closer eye than the other teams, uh, just based on the, the fact that the Kraken have 
uh, some prospects on these teams. Absolutely. I haven't even checked divisions yet. Are they in the same one? They are not. So we don't have any matchups Aww. between them um, until a potential medal round matchup, which makes things even that more exciting. Then it matters. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's a lot of good teams bringing a lot of good offenses. I mean, Sweden's got one of the best offenses they brought in a long time. USA has a very strong offense again this season or this season, this tournament. And Finland has a lot of great uh, prospects up front as well. There's a lot of great offenses and maybe not the strongest defenses or goalies heading into it. So that makes for a, for an interesting, yeah, very fun tournament ahead of us, Durham. Actually, you know what I seen the other day is apparently a, bunch of people are extremely disappointed in Jonathan Lakaramaki's season this year. I think he got I sent down to Elsvenskin. He did. I seen that as well. Um just some tweets about it like a couple weeks back or whatever that he's had a very, very underwhelming start to his season. Yikes for a fifteenth overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding whatsoever on that. Um, yeah, dude, I'm excited, man. Uh, it's, it's some of the most exciting hockey to watch all, all year long, man. And, uh, back on, uh, home turf here. So, uh, pumped to watch that, but Durham, we got one more thing to talk about, uh, before we end this podcast, let's, uh, put together a bit of a Kraken Christmas list. What would be on the top of your Kraken Christmas list? We're five days out from, you know, the, the big day here. So, uh, uh, what's something you'd like to have on the list? Well, I won't be able to open it Christmas morning, but I would fucking love it if Shane Wright brings home gold and is a top three player in points. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'd love to see that. A couple Canadian guys here, and I like how you added that in, uh, top three player in points at the tournament. Um, that that would prove that, obviously, he was... um. Uh, you know, had a successful tournament because if that's the case, he, you know, he, he definitely brought it. And uh, uh, you know, for somebody who hasn't really played at the world juniors, right. So that would be a big step forward for Shane, Wright. I think it would be fantastic. And then that's why it's number one on my list. I like it. What else do you got? Well, I'm going to hope for cracking goaltending to stay healthy in 2023, which I, I know, I know. It's probably impossible, but I'm going to try anyways. All right. Knocking on wood here, making sure that happens because that's a, that's an underrated one. Actually. I like that. Um, the Kraken have struggled, right? I mean, the end of, uh, well, at the, um, the world championships where Dreiser goes down, he's hurt for a long ass time. And then already this season, thank God Jonesy stepped up and played some, uh, incredible games. He's kind of starting to fade away a bit now, but Grubauer's back and healthy after missing a, a big handful of games and starting to, you know, get into his rhythm. So if the Kraken are going to make a playoff push, they have to have a healthy goaltending here. I don't think they can afford having one of these guys go down again for a long period of time. So that's going to be a big key to uh, the success uh, going down the stretch here for the Kraken. Yeah, absolutely. If they can keep the team save percentage probably 905 to 908, I think they've got a good shot at making playoffs. Anything better than that, obviously, I think they're in. Under that, you're fucked. <laughs> it's just straight up fucked. You are ruined. But 
enough about my list. Belzy, have you got a couple things on your list? Um, one interesting thing I think would be fun to see is um, newcomer Eli Tolvanen becoming a top nine forward for this Kraken team. I think that could go a long way with uh, some of the depth and success that they could have, especially if he starts to find his scoring ways. Like, you know, the prospect that he once was considered, right? The the big elite, um, you know, finished sniper. So if he could find himself and find his game, uh, I think that could be a huge addition to this Kraken team. And comes out one that uh, didn't come at any expense at all, right? Just picking him up off of waivers, of course. So um, that would be a huge one for the Kraken. Yeah, and he's young, so there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to develop something that makes him a third-line player. Yeah, and it's it's weird with Nashville. I mean, they have all these prospects coming up, but it never seems like they really pan out into into like elite players. I mean, think think of one elite guy they drafted who became like a a point per game scorer. I don't think they have one. Your best shot would be Yossi as a D, so you'd probably give him a fair bit under point per game. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that would be the closest as a defenseman. That speaks a lot about your, your ability to draft. Right, like the best forwards they have, they've traded for. You could yeah. argue that they developed Forsberg considering they traded for him, I think, the year after the draft. But at the same time, you didn't draft him. Yeah, they still didn't draft him. I mean, what a fucking trade. Martin Erat for Philip Forsberg. I remember being on lunch at high school and being like, no fucking way did this just happen. I thought Philip Forsberg was going to be the next best thing. Like, fucking the cat's ass. Yeah, he dropped so much in that draft, too. It was weird. Yeah, he was ranked fourth, and then he went 11th, and I was furious because Pittsburgh took Pouliot <laughs> at eight, and I was like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah, that'd be a nasty addition to that Pittsburgh team. They would have never traded for Zucker. Kind of works out that they drafted a guy named Getzel. Yeah, that was the next year. Yeah. So maybe lose out on that one with Puglia and then gain huge with that pickup. Um, but Durham, I have one more for my Christmas list. Let's hear it. Trade for a solid depth defender. I think that's one thing that could really go a long way, especially with some of the injuries slash suspensions. We're kind of starting to see on that back end and having to, you know, you know, call make some call ups and and play some guys that don't have that NHL experience. It'd be nice to add that sixth to seventh D who actually has four or five hundred games of NHL experience to you know just maybe uh, you you know just help back there. I, I just think that it could be a bit of a missing piece. Like, don't trade the farm. I don't think there's any reason to be making big moves like that for this Kraken team, and I don't expect it to happen. But uh, if you could, you know. I mean, maybe they'll trade a second or a third, but you don't even have to trade that to pick up a solid depth defender. I'm thinking fourth to fifth round style pick here. Yeah, they shouldn't have to give up much for, you're thinking like kind of a four or five D. Yeah, four or five, somewhere between, yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. Just somebody on for that third pair that could come in and just help stabilize it. Um, that being said, I have loved the play of Will Borgen. I think I said it already last podcast. 
but he just continues to develop into a really good steady third pairing D. But again, he's not a guy who brings a lot of experience. We've seen some injuries lately. Bringing in another defenseman is not going to hurt. Got anybody on your mind? I don't. I don't right now. I feel like they're... There's a lot of different directions, but if I think of the style of D, funny enough to say, I would love a Mark Giordano on this team right now. Oh, shit. I know. Funny enough, draft him last year, let him go. Leaf signed him for absolutely nothing, but he's been such a good D for them, blocking shots and just playing steady, you know, still playing 18 to 20 minutes a night. And, and I've seen some crazy stat where he's only been on the ice for like, like a small handful of even strength goals, like five or something like six, something crazy like that, where you're just like, Holy crap for the amount of ice he's getting pretty impressive stat, but that type of style of D hmm. that doesn't would be have to be offense. Yeah. And I, and I just think if you're going to go for this playoff push, bring in somebody a little tenacious, who's just going to maybe help out with the PK and eat pucks and just, take some pressure off some of those younger defensemen for this year's picks. Seattle has all of theirs plus Toronto's and Winnipeg's second Colorado's fourth and Washington's sixth. Any of those could get you a decent D for what you're talking about there. Big time. And you, you, you're still left with what, like 10 picks. Yep. Exactly. So like, Go for it. Why not? And maybe it doesn't have to be a guy that old. Maybe you target somebody who who is on a two-year contract, who a team's looking to shed some salary, or a, he's still on a one-year deal, and uh, you know there's a potential for uh, you know an extension in the offseason if if there's the right fit. Right? It doesn't have to be a wasted um, you know pick. Is what I'm trying to say. And even if it is, if you make playoffs and he plays well for you, who cares? Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. But fuck, man, I am uh I'm excited for World Juniors. Excited for a fun matchup tonight against uh St. Louis, man. That that'll be a fun one. Always liked St. Louis, always been a, a team that I enjoyed watching. Kind of on a struggle right now, but you know, this is a good opportunity for Seattle to continue trending in the right direction. Pick up two big points tonight. because uh, that game starts in about an hour and a half Durham. Yeah, those are two Big point. St. Louis is not far behind. I mean, I know they're not in the same division, but we all share the wild card. Exactly. They certainly are not that far behind. Any plans from now until then? I don't know. You want a game? I could could probably (laughs) hop on uh, a little PS4 here. I got nothing else going on. I mean, I might might have a quick uh, little bite to eat here. I haven't had dinner yet, so... That's probably a good idea to do. Um, maybe just toss together a couple sandwiches, you know, something simple. Oh, some peanut butter and jam. Oh, fuck. That's you know, all I, I want to th- eat right now. I was thinking a tur- like a turkey club. See, like I don't want to eat like the bacon because I can't afford bacon right now. I'm trying not to eat like any kind of like turkey or anything like that because a couple Christmas meals coming up. It's like I'm going to have so much fucking turkey. I don't know what to do with it. Don't even get me started about the food, man. The, the, that's the, just food and hanging out with family. Those two best things about Christmas. The next day, the bet it's just World Juniors from there on out, and and still good food, man. And Leftovers, maybe I I got I gotta say Christmas crack. 
for those of you that don't know that shit, it's fucking amazing. It's, I don't it's think probably going to give me diabetes. I, I'm not sure if I've had it, Durham. Okay, um, so, so you know those like come... old soup crackers, like the uh, premium whatever, premium, the squares. Premium plus, yeah, 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 yeah those. I love those things. So you put a layer of those things down, and then you put melted caramel on top of it, and you let that freeze, and then you put melted chocolate on top of that, and you let it all freeze, and then you smash it with a hammer, and you eat it, and it's fucking delicious. Yeah, like you can't eat it without the hammer, though, right? Well, you can. It just won't taste as good. <laughs> All right. Well, how about this? You save me some and I'll get to test it out for myself. I'm not allowed to take any because last year I took all of it. And my mom was pissed. So I, I th- there might I think be some. You, I think you sneak some out a little bit. We'll taste I'll tell Jenna. Some. She's a Jenna good kid. will. Oh, 100%. Yeah. She's, she's, on, she's on our team. Yeah. She probably already put away a separate pack for me. I just haven't taken it yet. Yeah, we'll bust out the rock band. Just, oh, just, fuck yeah. Just get going with it, you know? Let's get after it. Yeah, hundy P. That's going to be our Christmas, definitely, is like we'll do gifts with the family, have a little breakfast, and then it's going to be like six hours of rock band. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rock out for Christmas. Why not? Fuck it. My arm's going to fall off. There you go. Um, Yeah. That pretty much wraps up uh, episode 10, though, Durham. Fuck. It was a pretty good episode. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You're not too bad at all. Anything else you want to add, or, or is that it? Mary Chrysler. Mary Chrysler. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, make sure to rate this episode five stars if you've enjoyed it, and stay tuned for episode 11 as we have all sorts of great hockey to review coming up, baby. Uh, let's get the puck out of here, Durham. Cheers, everybody, and Merry Christmas to all. Merry Christmas.